Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Layered Butter. I'm Rodrigo Cockting. And hey, it's Rafael Cordero. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about AMC, Disney, some actors getting some new jobs. And our uh, feature for the week is going to be all about the exclusive and somewhat elusive, I would say, Criterion Collection. Prestigious? Yeah, prestigious for sure. Prestigious. (laughs) But before we get started, let's go to our housekeeping items. Uh, Just a reminder, again, we've started shipping out our Nolan issues. Uh, We've been seeing some great pictures from people in the States, people in Canada that received it. Our European orders do go through our partners at Uniquely Geekly, so it takes a little bit longer, but rest assured it it will be in your hands very soon. And so that's going to be great. Now, uh, when you're listening to this last Thursday, we had our first Layered Butter Plus workshop. It it was a great success. And if you are you were not able to join us and you want to find this content, you can always find it on our Patreon, patreon.com slash layered butter. You can become a patron for for a low, low price of the cup of coffee coffee. and you can get all this exclusive content. It's not the only workshop we're going to do. We have a lot cooler one, uh, not cooler, but like, you know, a lot other ones that are cool as well planned in the future so make sure that you join uh that's pretty much it for housekeeping items raf i think we should get this episode started yeah let's do it let's bring on in our guest yeah this week we have our very very good friend our uh, favorite poster collector from the country to the south mr alex or <laughs> how's it going alex oh thanks for good thanks for having me hey alex yeah. No problem. I mean, when, when it comes to Criterion Collection, there are about three names that come to mind. Uh, Mark Weingus, Andrew Perucho, and then Alex Orr. And so I'm excited when we talk about it. Before we do, though, it's time that we kick off our pre-show and just chat about what's been happening in the news. A couple of movie theater business updates that I saw that were fairly interesting. AMC had a, a, a controlling interest uh, of their stock in the hands of a Chinese group called the Wanda Group. They have uh, embraced the chaos magic and decided to sell off, <laughs> sell off their interest in AMC. Um, Raph, let's go to you for this one. I guess like, I don't know. It's like the, the theaters are starting to come back and then you get like this, you know, these people that are deciding to bail out on, on this whole thing. Plus, AMC was also the target of like the, the stock. The Reddit the, rally. Yeah. So uh, what were what were your feels when you saw this news? When I saw this, I started freaking out because I am part of that Reddit rally. <laughs> I started thinking this to myself, Dogecoin. I'm like, will, will everything that I've been working on just drop? But Did surprising, it? And, no, it didn't. Today, they, mm-hmm. they shot up to like 1660, which is insane in USD. So, um, I mean, th- that was good because I thought, I, you know, I would lose the money. But yeah. outside of my, my attempts to be a millionaire, mm-hmm. um, I think this is interesting because... Outside of the states, China is one of the biggest box office, um, uh, you know, sectors in the world. Right, a lot of the international grosses, especially with like Disney and um, some of the big international films, they go there and they rely on China on the uh, on the Chinese box office to bring up their you know their box office totals. I don't know what this means from from a business standpoint in the sense that you know a this group has pretty much exited out of AMC. I don't know if there is um, if they're leaving the U.S. exhibition chain entirely, mm-hmm. or they have something else up their sleeve. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think I'm just more concerned about my stocks. <laughs> I couldn't really, I couldn't really put anything out there to we, you know. We know give where the anything. priority is. 
Yeah, it's interesting because they sold their, uh, I guess, like their voting stock, but bought uh-huh. like the other type of stock. So it's like, I guess maybe they, they, they don't want to be in control of, of that, but don't want to leave it entirely. I thought it was interesting. Alex, um, I know you have a, a, a deep passion for the theater business and making mm-hmm. sure they survive the, the pandemic. So when you saw this news of the Wanda Group selling off their interest in AMC, like what, what did you think? I was kind of surprised. I mean, I, I think that the Chinese market is, seems to be tough. I mean, I think that the industry has been trying to appease them and then really get in there. But then there's having always, you know, it's a very volatile area. And so I think that um, I think I was reading something about how the it seems like is the Chinese like experiment over. I think that this potentially could have just been a moment for them to jump on an extraordinary thing, such as this, this uh, pump from uh, Reddit and kind of just cash out when they were, would get like where, where they wouldn't find this opportunity again. Mm-hmm. Like I think me. it's, it's yeah, yeah. So it's kind of has the reverse effect for some, for some of uh verse kind of the majority of what the Redditors were trying to do yeah. with this. So it's kind of interesting to see that, but I mean, I really just hope uh, kind of what, when the rubble clears that mm-hmm. there is a, a group that's looking at the best interest for the, the district for the theater chain mm-hmm. and that uh, it can, it can bounce back. Yeah. And it's kind of like on the heels of the, the arc light cinema news, right? Yeah. Like it's not uh, uh, yeah. like it doesn't exist in a vacuum. So it, it's, I don't know. It's interesting to, to, to keep an eye on another piece of, I guess, movie or theater news that I saw was Disney explaining kind of their, their upcoming plan for releases. They have some movies like Pixar's Luca that are going to premiere on their streaming site, Disney plus they have other movies like black widow that will have kind of like a dual opening a, a bit of a hybrid uh, yeah. attempt. And then later on in the year, movies like Shang-Chi like Eternals are going to be theater only like the regular movies. And so they uh, in, in, in a, in a conference last Monday, they, they spoke to to Bob Chapik, who is the Disney CEO, and he was kind of speaking to to making making sure that they have a, a fair amount of flexibility. Um, Alex, let's start with you on this one. So if everything holds the way that it seems to be holding with COVID and so on, do you feel like you're ready to return to theaters later later this year? Like how what is your feeling about that? Yeah, I mean, I feel like kind of like uh, a little privilege and I feel bad. It makes me feel bad about that is that being in the U.S., like I've been vaccinated uh, going into um, theaters is something like I've kind of in my mind already has flipped a switch. I mean, I went and saw first movie in a regular theater screening last Friday. Wow. Uh, going to see Wrath of Man. I mean, I, I think that. It's tough because, like, I, you know, we talk, I talk with you guys all the time about vaccines. So I thought I really want you guys up in Canada to have better access. And, and it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's a weird because there's like this parts of the country and parts of the world that are, that are, they're still in this shutdown mode. Like, mm-hmm. still in this, like, you know, fall being like the, the time to reopen. But then it feels like this, like, really big, like, it's about to happen kind of thing. Like, I've been yeah. planning on going to see Black Widow in the theaters. Like, June. I mean, I would normally not go see a movie like maybe like The Wrath of Man, although I did like the last Guy Ritchie movie. But I would normally go see that in the theaters. But I was just craving anything that would be be exciting that would be worth it. And so uh, I kind of am, I'm I'm ready to the whole hog go back into the theaters and and 
I have hope because yeah, I, I really want to support the industry that I love. And uh, could, what they put out. could you describe what the ambient was like when you saw this movie? I mean, it's hard to gauge oh, because yeah. I guess oh, yeah. the movie's not perhaps like a, a summer blockbuster, right? But did you feel there was the p- amount of people that you would expect? Did it feel emptier? Did it feel fuller? Well, I mean, I, I think that my, my case is, is a little bit of a test because so my, the theater near me, we moved into our house about a year ago, three, three, four blocks down the street from a movie theater. I saw one movie that was uh, 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 Onward and then it closed for a year and a half. So oh, wow. I was just, yeah. So I, I um, we went there and it's, it's opened on the 21st. So last Friday was the first day it had been reopened and it was a little weird. Um, it was, it was exciting. Like when we went up there, there was like a Lamborghini and, a uh, a Benz out there. No, uh, yeah. Bentley actually, uh, out there for like fast Friday is what, it, what I figured. Cause they're doing like free fast Friday screenings. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but when I got in there, like it was weird. It was like, they flipped the switch on the lights and they just started selling stuff like selling, starting <laughs> up again because like there was no, like no, not a lot of signage. The, the price board menu, you know, the menu board was like dark. So it was like, how much does the soda cost? I had to ask him because it's been a while. Uh, and it was, uh, it was us, a party of five, and then another group of four people. And that was it in the entire theater. So mm-hmm. it was a weird, oh, wow. like, it was fun. Like, it was fun, but it was also like, oh, shoot, I hope, like, I hope it gets picked back up eventually yeah, yeah, yeah. here. Yeah. Um, but it was just kind of fun to have basically like a personal screening um, mm-hmm. for the first time in a long time. So. But yeah, it was a little bit of a half open. I guess we'll have to keep an eye on how that goes. Uh, Raph, I, I, I kind of wanted to ask you about a different story that was in the news this week. Um, some some actor updates. Chief among them is the return of fabled Mean Girls actress. <laughs> fabled. Uh, star, Herbie star. Har, star of Herbie, fully loaded, playing <laughs> dual roles in the hit movie Parent Trap. Uh, Miss Lindsay Lohan is, is threatening with a comeback, and I wanted to go to you with, <laughs> You're uh, mean. with, with your thoughts. No, listen, I'm supportive of this. I, I'm okay, joking, okay, but okay. I'm supportive. Uh, so, <laughs> I guess give give us the news. What do you what What do we know about Lindsay Lohan so far? I mean, she's disappeared from pretty much the public eye for a long time, and I think she took some time to work on herself. I think she had a lot of. Uh, substance abuse stuff, yeah. right? That was going on, and um, uh, after uh, she released, I think she released, she released an album. I think that's what my last memory of her was. There, she was releasing an album, which was kind of a hit. But anyway, I digress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but let's go back to the return of Lindsay Lohan. I think you know what? Good for her. She's coming back at an interesting time. I think with uh, COVID potentially wrapping down, and then uh, this gives her an opportunity to come back into the mainstream. Now, that being said, though, uh, she's coming back into a Netflix holiday uh, uh, rom-com. Right. Which, from the article that I'm reading here in Variety, it sounds like something from the Hallmark Channel. Mm-hmm. It's like the Christmas Chronicles, A Christmas Prince, yeah. you know, Jingle Jangle, something like this. So, I, I don't expect this to be like an epic return, right, to what she had yeah. before. Obviously, that would be very challenging. But I think it's interesting to see her back on screen again, right? Yeah. And see if she's um, uh, if she's ready to, you know, get back to the career that she once dominated for years. So yeah. I think it'll be interesting. Who knows? Sure. A couple notes on what you said. I, I believe her musical career uh, last thing that she released was her album, <laughs> a little more personal. Parenthesis raw. 
uh, the one that had the hit song <laughs> Confessions of a Broken Heart parenthesis daughter to father she likes her parenthetical so we will say that Damn. and i'm saying like if, if you are i mean am i a fan yeah. of her music i'm saying if you've heard her music i guess is what i would say is that she had a very troubled relationship with her father yeah, with a, i think hollywood dad. is an industry that chews children actors out and leaves them broken and so if this is her return i'm all for it and i am excited for her and you know what like don't don't laugh at netflix christmas movies this is vanessa hudgens bread and butter she rolls out one of these every other year. I'm going to say that there's almost like a Vanessa Hudgens cinematic universe within Netflix. Oh my god! So look, you know what? This is her chance, and I say she should go for it. Uh, Alex, Lindsay Lohan thoughts? What's going on here? You big Mean Girls fan? Yes, no? Uh, so I think she's she's in the second best parent trap. I'm just going to I'm a fan of the first one, fan of the original of it. But uh, uh, yeah, I think that... Uh, I can't knock a, a Christmas movie. I mean, you got to fill when you're you're going against HBO Max and stuff like that. You got to fill fill the December months with some content. So yeah, I mean that's I mean it's good. I, I I am more lenient on a Christmas movie than I am on other movies, as you you've probably heard me talk about before. So I mean I'm interested to see it. I'll, I'll give it a watch. But I I'm, I'm not the biggest Hallmark Christmas movie fan, but. I think it's interesting. Let's see how it goes. Who knows? Yeah. What if it's amazing, yeah. right? There's an audience for it. And so I, I would, oh, yeah. I, I'm, I don't think I'm part of that audience, but I want to see what the, what the people out there think when this yeah. movie comes out. Rooting for Lindsay Lohan. Uh, good for you, girl. Hope you're feeling better and hope this is, this is uh, a good comeback. Uh, on to more actor news. Timothy Chalamet, Raft. He's going to play a young Willy Wonka uh, in the movie that I would say nobody was asking for, but nope. I would also caution that it has a very good director and very good writer attached to it. I was going to say. And so keep an eye out for that one because it might be good. Uh, I guess Raft can kind of give us like who the, these people that are attached to it. What other gem uh, of cinema have they 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 created? Listen, so I probably said this a couple of times. Aside from my love for Brendan Fraser, mm-hmm. we have the amazing Paddington Bear. Paddington and, Bear. Um, <laughs> yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. Two. Top movie. Top movie dethroned um, Citizen Kane a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Yeah, but I think this too. is going to be very interesting because Paul King, who directed the first two Paddington films, who I think is abandoning the Paddington 3 for this movie, which is kind of the very sad and depressing. Bear is what he said. <laughs> oh, bro. <laughs> but I... I, I I don't know. I, I think this has potential now, but again, I, I don't think that like who asked for this, who wants to know uh, Willy Wonka's backstory. I mm-hmm. think like, you know, keep the mystery there. Not Try even this guy, not even Roald Dahl wanted to know this because he didn't write it. So I don't exactly. <laughs> so I, I no thanks. I mean, that that's me. I I'll watch it, but I think this is going to be where I think he's going to sing and dance too. In this one, maybe so. is he teaching the Oompa Loompas their musical numbers as they murder children in the the factory <laughs> later on? Please no, this is scary. I, I feel like I'm gonna close all my um, my tabs on this movie now and just say nope, no thanks. I'm trying to erase it from my memory. Yeah, uh, Alex, excitement here for for a young Willy Wonka. Hesitation. Like, do, do we want the origin story uh, of the creepiest uh, caramelier that's out there? <laughs> no. No, I, uh, I I think there's a lot of other. I know that the the Roald Dahl like group or story group or whatever is trying to to use the the content that you know the IP that they have. But I feel like there's so many other books that you could maybe look into being mm, yeah. a little more interesting. I mean, I don't know. Did, did the second did the the Tim Burton one do well enough to really warrant more of it? I mean, I really feel like I I forgot forgot about that movie five minutes mm-hmm. after I left the theater. So I don't yeah. really know. 
where where the the call for the for this one is uh, where, where the glamour for it is mm-hmm. uh, let's get a paddington three but why don't we just oh, yeah. bring timothy chalamet in paddington three and then bring everyone back i think that'd be great that's what you want but, eh? maybe it'll happen one day who knows one last piece before we go just quick thoughts uh robert pattinson has signed uh, a first look deal with wb hbo pretty cool i think i i, I know robert pattinson mm. may have exploded into cinema with a franchise that is not the most uh i don't know like appreciated the the twilight franchise but i think he's done a good job of building up a name yeah. for himself with everything he's done after and so i think this is pretty exciting uh raf excited for this yeah 100 i'm a big robert pattinson fan and i think Maybe one day down the road, he's actually going to get an Oscar nom. Who knows? I think he did an amazing job in The Lighthouse. But mm-hmm. what's interesting about this um, first look deal is, um, I don't know if it's even specifically going to attach him to star in some of these films. It's, it's or, mostly production, I think. But often yeah, people produce production. movies so, for themselves, right? Exactly. So I think we might get um, uh, maybe some up-and-coming uh, artists that will be part of these productions. And Robert will have a say into its creation. Uh, and it's um, foray into actually coming onto set and um, uh, being produced. Yeah. So I, I think it's exciting. Warner Brothers, HBO, I'm down for them. So I think this is really cool news. So good for him. Alex, uh, are we excited for Robert Pattinson's future? I, I don't know if you have any thoughts that you want to throw in there too about oh, the yeah. Batman. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's definitely done the most interesting thing out of that trio from uh, Twilight. Uh, for sure, and I'm mean, excited. Yeah, that Taylor yeah. Lautner, dude, can't get arrested yeah, I was in about that to town. Say, like, <laughs> I don't know where who he is. Who's the other guy? Yeah, uh, yeah. Part of the trio. Living in LA at that time when he was really big, I heard some interesting stories uh, from a friend of mine. But uh, um, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm envisioning something like Margot Robbie, like a deal like like she has. Uh-huh. I could, yeah. I could, I would love to see something like that from him, and and kind of get that that good uh, some pick pick some good projects from and and see what he can do. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. We're going to see Robert Pattinson on HBO more than we see Gene Smart, which is very often these days, I think, uh, almost a little too much. Uh, guys, that's where we're going to wrap our pre-show. When we come back, we're going to talk like, about the exciting, exciting Criterion Collection. If you if you don't know what this is, you will learn. Uh, but first, we're going to take a quick break. Layered Butter is brought to you by Ola Translation, the leading Spanish-to-English translation agency. Pop quiz, Raf, how do you say layered butter in Spanish? Uh, le layered batter. <laughs> That's probably the French way to say it, but sure. Uh... The Hispanic population is one of the fastest-growing audiences in North America, so if you want your product to be found, it's time to reach them the right way. And you can do that with the help of Ola Translation. Raf, guess what? What? Layered Butter listeners can get 5% off all services by using our special code, and that code is... Butter! That's right, butter. So go out there and reach your customers in Spanish with the help of Ola Translation. And we're back. It's time to talk about the Criterion Collection. The, the famous, the, the, the high reputation, the, the beloved Criterion Collection. Alex, I want to start with you because uh, maybe there are some people like, say, me six months ago or a year and ago. Me. Or a rap <laughs> that are not, like, are not avid cr- Criterion Collection yeah. 
uh, coll- collectors or fans. And so I guess maybe tell us what is the Criterion Collection? Yeah, I mean, the Criterion Collection is basically it's a home video distribution company that uh, basically created the modern DVD where you would you think of a modern special special edition uh, for DVD Blu-ray. Um, they were mm-hmm. created in the 80s, uh, basically came up with um, with the first like large investment into uh, Laserdisc, which if you haven't heard of that, basically think of a CD, but then replicate it to the size of a vinyl record. And then that's what a Laserdisc is. Uh, it's uh, double-sided. It was um, one of the first, they, they were the first company basically to do letterboxing, commentary, soundtracks, special editions, like extra features, oh, wow. uh, director's commentary, stuff like that. And also we're one of the big pioneers in uh, film restoration. Um, a lot of those films, I mean, you look at, uh, this is a fun little fact I, I looked up earlier today and I'd heard before is that they're about, they're considered to be about half a million, uh, movies ever created. Uh, if you look at, uh, DVD, uh, I think something like 200,000 of them were ever put on DVD. If you look at Blu-ray, it's 24,000. So Only yeah, 24,000. And if you look at, if you look at 4k, it's under a thousand. Um, and wow. so, uh, that film restoration is something that's been really interesting to me and it's something that they've been really a pioneer of and something when I always look at their movies, I always look to see if it was newly restored. And so basically they basically have become the curators of uh, uh, like film school in a box. The Criterion uh, puts out movies Mm. about 50 a year. Uh, They put out movies that are culturally relevant, uh, significant, um, need to be rediscovered. Um, and so they're very like high end curation of movies and they, they come out in like special editions uh, where sometimes you'll get a script in a, in a movie or you get the, the novelization in a movie and you'll get just jam packed with features, uh, theatrical editions for something like the um, it's a mad, mad, mad world. You get the theatrical edition, you get the traveling roadshow edition, which is when they used to take movies out around the, the country like that. And they'll, they'll, they'll include whatever they can from it. And then there's a third edition where name of it is but they'll give you everything like that they'll give you interviews with people they'll do new interviews they'll do new commentaries they'll do uh just like relevant things like radio radio plays from the 40s of the movie uh, the radio play version of the movie and it's just uh yeah it's something i got into in 2010 um, i started going to college and getting into like the film courses and stuff and learning about that stuff and it's just uh yeah yeah just great for sure yeah and i think to me like uh like you were saying that they're pioneers in a lot of what we consider a standard uh like home version of a movie right like when we talk yeah. about like commentary when they when uh-huh. they first released i believe uh with King Kong and Citizen Kane they had like the commentary for King Kong that you know this wasn't something that was done before and so it's yeah. novel and it, it's interesting and to me that always is, is kind of where i think it's cool people that love film that want to celebrate film and finding different ways to do that right like not just putting out a movie that you could have seen in theater but giving you the additional experience that will make the movie viewing at home just as special as seeing it on a big screen and with great audio in a theater right raf uh i wanted to go i wanted to go to you real quick just so you could maybe speak to the reputation of some of these movies that are on this list, right? Like it, it's not, you know, like your, your Norbits or your uh, Jack and Jill's <laughs> that are, that are making it in. Um, right. So like, I guess, how would you describe some of these films that are on these, um, on the list? 
So, I, just before this podcast, Rod called me a film bro. A film bro. <laughs> and I, I kind of went to space there. Where's but the I lie? Mean, I, Where's the yeah, lie? Um, no, but I, I think a lot of the films here that belong in the Criterion Collection are a lot of films that are, uh, they're made by uh, auteurs. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of um, cinephiles, a lot of film bros, um, a lot of the, I would say, more... Serious film connoisseurs who really love the passion for making films, the, the, the passion for viewing films as a historically significant piece of art or medium, um, this is for them. So you're going to see a lot of films from like Kurosawa, you're going to see Fellini, and then you're going to see like Brunel, some of the older stuff, right? But also then we're going to get a lot of modern filmmakers as well coming in there. So um, I think Scorsese, I saw... Um, um, Paul Thomas Anderson, Wes Anderson, and, and a lot of international filmmakers as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's uh, and War uh, Wong Kong Wai. Uh, oh gosh, I'm probably mess up his name. There you go. In the mood for love. Mm-hmm. So you know, um, there's a lot of big films here that I think are um, very relevant to a lot of like let's say film school. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, Alex brought it up really well that. It's basically, it could be a great resource for film school in a box, right? Yeah. Um, the best thing to learn about film is watching film. And I think Criterion would be a great resource for a lot of these aspiring filmmakers, uh, um, uh, critics, or, you know, just film fans. So, yeah, that's for you guys. For sure. Yeah, I also, I, I look at that list and there's, uh, like, when I, I don't know what to watch or, you know, I'm trying to find a movie that I think will be great. I, I often go to one of those and... Uh, put it on right and and learn a little bit um alex you have i would say a, a personal collection and you're also probably more familiar with what they mm-hmm. have listed yeah. on their website and so when you look at those films like what stands out to you about them yeah i think the the big thing for me is a lot of times i'm looking you know I, I have movies that so they, they've been around since the 80s they've, they've done some interesting you know you, you mentioned norbit they've done like you know armageddon <laughs> armageddon is, is literally is a cartoon question movie but if you look in the early, no yeah, way. no, it is. It, uh, what's the Benjamin Button is also a Criterion Collection movie, but that is kind of a interesting past, like the beginning, kind of early. They they had some ones that seemed like a one for me, one for one for them, kind of back and forth. Yeah. But what, what really like strikes me with um, the Criterion Collection is, I don't know, it's just it's discovering new movies. I mean, I would say I have about a hundred and two of uh, the their movies. Uh, well, I would say that they're because some of them, you know, like the, I have the Godzilla one in movies. So, uh, yeah, so they're 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 like spine numbers. So, yeah. so I'm under two spine numbers, I guess is what you call them. This one thing also that they did is they, they do spine number. But the one thing that I'm really looking for is out of that 102, I would say a lot of them are just blind buys. And, and it's just I know that they're going to be twenty dollars, which is and it's going to you're not going to find a, a criterion new for twenty dollars unless someone doesn't know what they're doing. And uh, or you're mm-hmm. getting it, uh, you're getting uh, some really crazy deal. I'm talking about like Criterion Blu-ray. Um, but I just kind of mm-hmm. know that uh, I've heard of if I've heard of a movie and I've kind of look at reviews and I see what it's something that's really interesting. I know that if I buy it from Criterion, like nine times out of ten, it's going to be something that like is going to move me or do something to make me think more about like cinema. And it's something that is mm-hmm. worth having. Um, I think that sometimes mm-hmm. there's a duds. You know, I've gotten. I'm gonna Andrew. This is for Andrew, but uh, Mulholland Drive. Um, mm-hmm. Try about that blind buy. We talking about. Oh, I'll try this. I got the about, sexiest worst movie. I've yeah, ever I just seen. got about That's 20 minutes in, it. and I and I am like, gosh, crap! I gotta see if I can 
sell this to so trade somebody for this because I do not like this movie. <laughs> um, but I think that for the most part, I mean, there's some movies that you really want to see beyond the Criterion Collection. There's movies that are just, I think the big thing to stress is that they do the restoration and that's something that doesn't happen as often now. And I mentioned, you know, 24,000 movies on Blu-ray. So every movie that gets a restoration uh, on the Criterion Collection, or is it, if it's like Vinegar Syndrome or uh, Indicator or Kino Lorber, those are some other other particular uh, distributors. If it gets on mm-hmm. there, you know that it, it's preserved for another generation, and it's something that um, we're losing a lot of physical media. You know, a lot of those movies yeah. are literally disintegrating or catching on fire on themselves because they're mm-hmm. they're nitrate film, and so it's just uh, exciting to have like. The, the movie I'm most excited for this this in the next couple of months is Bringing Up Baby. That's a movie from the 30s with Carrie, I think, with Cary Grant, and it's about like uh, babysitting a tiger or no, a tiger, jaguar, panther, one of, one, of, one of the cats. And it's just like that movie has had some releases, but I know that for the most part, if this movie is going through the Criterion like process, it's going to be uh, well restored and it's going to look yeah better than it maybe potentially better than it has since it, it first aired in the 30s. Mm-hmm. I think they put a lot of care and respect into the movies that, that they restore, and it's, uh, it reflects in the final product that they are able to produce. Um, Alex, I have another question for you about the Criterion Collection. How do you think, uh, how do you think they've contributed to where physical media is today? Uh, because yeah, it's like, a good one. you know, we kind of see that everybody has Netflix and so on. So what, what is where what is their place in in, yeah. in the modern system? I think that um they for sure are on that forefront of what is keeping uh physical media relevant in terms of what are driving sales. I think that they're they are um still putting things out. I mean so I don't know if you've ever heard of the Warner Archive. It's a, it was like a, a, about ten years old or so. Um and it's a it's a production kind of similar to criterion where they were putting out their movies in restored versions and selling them at a higher price. And uh, that sadly has kind of turned into a corner to something different, which were people who are following this are trying to figure out like, what is it going to look like in a year's time? Are we still going to get, you know, new restorations of movies uh, from them? And so it's, it's tricky because I think that um, physical media, yeah, it's, it's going down, but I mean, you got like vinyl records and that, that is never more popular than it has, has been in the last like 20 years. And so I think that they are driving that interest and that, that, uh, push for finding new movies, getting those movies that are, who maybe have never been out on any home theater since VH or home, I've been on the home market since VHS and putting those out Mm -hmm. there. And I just, I'm excited to, I've been in the last year or so really looking at more like, the more boutique stuff like the, like I mentioned indicator and uh, vinegar syndrome. And, and they're, I'm always like looking online and looking at what they're putting out next and just getting excited about, Oh, I can own that. in like the best possible format. And I think that uh, digital streaming, they are also kind of keeping good movies alive and like movies that people maybe haven't heard of uh, alive by with their new uh, criterion channel. Uh, and they're they're doing more than just like dumping a bunch of content like a Netflix and, and then making you try to wade through it and figure out what to watch and like getting trying to fight the algorithm to find stuff that you really want to look at. Yeah, um, they're they're actually mm-hmm. doing, you know, the curated like double features are doing like Black History Month. They're doing uh, like black direct film directors and, and really like uh, making you excited about the movies again. I think that that's mm-hmm. kind of 
um, what's great about that. I mean, you're looking at a lot of like studios They're they're making their big money on like, you know, Marvel movies and, and that like has some the, in the home off box office that has some draw still. But if you look at like Best Buy and stuff like that, that um, looking thinking back 20 years ago, what a Best Buy uh, DVD section looked like. It is, it is sad. It is so sad now in the last, even I've noticed in the last since Christmas, it is like, a wasteland like it is it is so small yeah, and so yeah. i remember walking through like best buy or if you like future shop when that was a thing yeah. and just mm-hmm. looking through the um, dvd aisle and the movie aisle and it used to be like four aisles long it was like huge and that would be you know my fascination with movies and the idea of collecting oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. you know what alex you bring up a really interesting point here because i've always recognized criterion as more of a collector's item like you're you're going to purchase a, a collector's item of this film that you potentially have watched before and that, that you want it for your collection. That's the way I perceived it when I was exposed to it the first time. And then when you start bringing up how, and, and Rod, you brought it up too, where you want to see a movie that you haven't seen before and you want to give it a shot. Uh, sometimes you guys look at Criterion and then sometimes you would like blindly pick out a film that maybe you haven't seen before, as you mentioned, uh, Mulholland Drive, and that you hated it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I mean, you're using it also not necessarily as a collector's item, but also a tool to learn about movies and watching movies because you haven't seen before. And it's different from, you know, jumping on Netflix and just using their shuffle feature. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that was super, super interesting coming uh, coming um, from my perspective where I just thought, you know, Criterion's just this prestigious collector's thing. So. Yeah, I learned. And I I think they they elevate, they give you a reason to be a physical Mm -hmm. media owner, right? Like I I have gone in the transition from uh, DVDs to Blu-rays and then Blu-rays to digital. And in both of those Mm -hmm. times, I've given away my DVDs and then given away mm-hmm. my Blu-rays just to friends, right? That still still collect because I don't. Do I it. have all of your Game of Thrones DVDs. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so, but uh, a couple Christmases ago, I want to say, and on my birthday, like I, I've received two Criterion Collection uh, films. One of them was, I believe, Seven Samurai, and mm-hmm. then the other one was nice. Pan's Labyrinth, which is a favorite uh, favorite movie of mine. And I, I could never part with those, right? Like those, they're beyond, I guess, the regular just kind of blue box mm-hmm. kind of Blu-ray thing, right? Like yeah. I, th- those don't have any value to me, but it's like when you look at the care that they put into the packaging, when you look at all the additional content that you're getting with that and like Alex was saying, like the restoration value, it's they're making a strong argument for, hey, come still do this please still collect physical media don't let this industry die right and i think that's kind of what needs to happen for the other argument which is like i can just have this on my phone and 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 so on and i can carry it everywhere needs to happen and the other side with digital too is that some something that's not often talked about is that even when you purchase films digitally there's a lot of ambiguity in what you really own. And there's been several cases that have ended up going to like trial and so on where companies are, are fighting, I guess for, for their right to determine what you purchase when you purchase a movie digitally, that argument will never happen with physical media. No one is going to come into your house and take all your boxes and peace out. Right? So there is some value, I think in physical media and something like criterion collection is very important for what it's able able to do there give or take guys how much is a uh, criterion dvd like just for the 
I, if I went in a shop, I'd say, hey, I want that. How much Blu-ray do you think it would cost me? Let's say Blu-ray. Let, let's get to the time. Yes. Well, let's you want to talk Blu-ray. about Canadian? I don't know about Canadian prices. I'm Throw us, throw us some U.S. Okay, yeah. yeah so U.S. is fine. A MSRP on a Criterion movie, a Blu-ray would be anywhere between like forty and fifty dollars. Um, if you go mm-hmm. into oh. like a, a Barnes and Noble, which is it's like kind of the opposite. Complete, Barnes and Noble in the U.S. will make if you collect movies, will just make you tear up a little bit when you see a Barnes and Noble shelf because mm-hmm. they it's the most Criterion Blu-rays I've ever seen in one place. It's it's like twenty nice four, four or five rows by thirty feet and. Um, it is about yeah forty dollars would be about typical um, used. If you find any Blu-ray for Criterion Blu-ray under twenty dollars, like I say, like a secondhand shop or like a Goodwill or something like that, must buy. buy it, buy it because yeah. twenty dollars yeah. is about the used price. And then a couple times a year they'll have 50, half off sale uh, where everything will be half off with um, there's their sale through the, the website which has a fifty dollar minimum for free shipping. But then there's also a Barnes and Noble sale, which I'm really looking forward to. Usually in July, November uh, is when they, they go fifty gotcha. percent off, and you can go pick it up in the store. So it's free shipping, basically. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, so right yeah it's about twenty. I would say twenty dollars is about what I try to spend on them. And then you have your, you know, your big collections like your your Ingmar Bergman like thirty film collection, your your Godzilla eighteen film, and then that's where it gets to two hundred, three hundred dollars. But when you wait for those fifty percent wow. sales, uh, it's a good thing. And, and is it like a thing where some of these are out of print anymore, and they and Criterion stops producing these, and then there's a resale value for oh, it? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> or uh, yeah, eh? yeah. I mean, yeah. I I wouldn't pay because I it would have to be something really really special. But for the most sure. part, everything yeah. that's been on Blu-ray that I've wanted, I've been. Um, but even just uh, like two months ago, a month or so ago, uh, I want to say it was a, exactly what the production company was that they basically. A handful of movies, including uh, um, Rosemary's Baby, went out of print on Blu-ray. Criterion Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Those shot up to triple the price of what they would buy, be to find. Wow! Now. Um, so it's definitely a yeah. Thing. And then like something I think would would always suck in my mind is one of the bigger grails for for, for Criterion is the Third Man. I think that's over a hundred dollars at least uh, if you find that mm-hmm. on Criterion. So Crazy. they do definitely do hold value de- way more than any of most of every other movie I've on Blu-ray. I mean, I've been taking my collection down and kind of putting in a lot of uh, Blu-rays into the, like the used record store. And I get, if I'm lucky, uh-huh. I get one to $3 a piece for those. And and I think oh. I get every criterion because those, those do hold their value. I, I, it's my favorite thing. Whenever, if I find a, a at a garage sale, someone's selling a $5 uh, criterion Blu-ray. I just, I'm so excited about that. And that's why I'm sad. Like my ro- local hookup place around here, they didn't know how to, Price them very well. Well, they knew not price them to move like fifteen, sixteen dollars. <laughs> I would buy buy those. So there you go. I mean, if you, if you're looking to get into Criterion, that's some some solid advice. I would also suggest that you find these communities online of people just like Alex that absolutely love the, these collections and are able to to guide you and you know point you in the right direction when these these deals and the place where you can buy are, are happening. So make sure to keep an eye out for that. Uh, I will say, though, I, I think, unfortunately, we do have to acknowledge that the Criterion Collection is not without criticism. There yeah. are uh, parts of it that have been, uh, I guess, like under the microscope for uh, perhaps have improved since then. But last year, around August, there was an article in The New York Times, and it dealt with what at the time was the reality for the Criterion Collection, that in its a thousand or so uh, feature length 
on DVD in the Blu-ray era, there was only four uh, four of them uh-huh. directed by uh, African American people, and then say another four additional ones by Black directors from other parts of the world. And so that accounted for less than one percent of all the films that they have out there. And you know, like in this article, they talked to Ava DuVernay, and she's talking about how it's like an important part of the industry, right? Like people want to be the directors that are in the Criterion collection. And yeah. it's like for some time, for some places they, they won't even have the conversation with you if you're not that type of director. And so there's a lot of responsibilities on your shoulder. If you're becoming kind of the gatekeeper uh, of, uh, you know, like movies that are, are of a certain reputation. And so you do have, I think a responsibility to make sure that they are reflective of the society that we live in. And I think that's kind of a place where they've fallen a little short um, Alex, what's kind of, do you think the situation right now, are they still kind of there where they're working towards that or have they improved? Um, off the top of my head, I, th- I think they've improved. I think that, um, when it comes to the Criterion co- Collection that as a company, it's a small company and, uh, reading the article, you know, you really see how it kind of is the taste of a few people. It seems to be where, how, um, what, what the Criterion Collection has put out. But I, I would say that they do champion i think that this is a blind spot and i think that's something they're trying to work towards fixing and when you only release mm-hmm. you know five movies a year and and and, and uh. licensing deals can take you know multi-years um I'm, i'd hope to, to, to see uh, a kind of a, a sh- gradual sh- well not a gradual but a quicker shift towards including more uh black filmmakers and I, and I do think that they've been putting out stuff recently uh i can't think remember the top of my, my head but i think that one thing is great about the criterion channel is that they have had opportunities to to champion those those uh, movies by those kinds of filmmakers uh, and, and give more representation there. And I think that um, they in the last year and doing some great things with that and uh, giving donating to things some minority like film groups and film um, schools and and in doing like the Black Filmmaker Collection where I learned a lot about mm-hmm. some movies like Watermelon Woman where I've never which I've never heard of. And I think that I just I. I I want to say that the, it's not like they're, they're the the Golden Globes and that they're they're you know eighty people that like don't have have no diversity. Um, they've had diversity in other areas, you know, LG, LGBTQT, um, Asian uh-huh. cinema, um, just all different film by women. Uh, Agnes Varda that she had a collection come out of her like entire history of of her filmography, and so I think that uh-huh. it's just it's an opportunity to call them out, and I think that they need to. Try to, and I think they are trying to uh, reverse that and try to try to find their their ways uh, to release more more black uh, directed films. Yeah, and I think there was a, a really really uh, important quote from uh, I, I believe his last name is is Becker Peter Becker uh, the the president and the creative lead where he says that I want I'm going to read it directly it says. I think canons end up being defined as much by what they leave out as by what they let in. Uh-huh. Right. And so it's like, especially for their legacy, if they don't want to be, to be known as, as this, this, this group that was unable to, to address this gap that they have previously, like, you know, it, it's important what they do going forward and to make sure that they, they close this gap. And, you know, like if you look at the collection, I think like eight of Wes Anderson's films are there. And I'm not trying yeah. to in any way disparage Wes Anderson. Right. But it's like yeah. there, there's a recency bias. It seems like there's a bit of, uh, of the, the article says that Wes Anderson and, and Paul Dano, who I know we'll talk about later, like they are friends with, with Becker. And so, 
you know, I, I'm not in any way disparaging saying that their movies are not worthy of being added, but it's like you you have to acknowledge where your blind spots are and what you can do to that. Uh, Raf, do you have any, any any other additional thoughts of how they can kind of navigate this, this like this murky waters of representation when the, uh, in, in their collection? I mean, for me, I, I feel like they just need to open the gates here because there are, I mean, out of a thousand films that they have, there's only nine titles that are produced, or sorry, that are in Criterion that are by black filmmakers. I think there's, you know, Barry Jenkins, mm-hmm. right? Barry Jenkins. I'm surprised Medicine for Melancholy is not on there. Um, I thought it would be, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of other filmmakers as well. D. Reese, I think D. Reese that um, has some amazing films that deserve to be in there as well. But again, you know, I, I think this conversation goes back to diversity, inclusivity. And also being open to all these different types of filmmakers, but there's also that conversation that I think um, um, uh, Alex just brought up, where they have uh, a lot of different aspects of uh, culturally diverse filmmaking already included, but for some reason, black filmmaking isn't as explored here or presented as well as maybe let's say Asian cinema. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think um, uh, there needs to be. You know, uh, they need to uh, open it up here and then um, uh, represent these films a little bit And hopefully bit something that they've done, and I don't know if they have, hopefully they have, is, is bring in, you know, bring in people into the company. That's how you get exposed to that. I mean, if, if you have directors, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, if you have someone who doesn't understand the that genre, not the genre, but the that his has a blind spot for that, then bring some people in there sure. who are looking out for that. And give us a you yeah. know, John yeah. Singleton yeah. box set. Look at something like that. Yeah, and I think when we look at these kind of issues that are are systemic and generalized and and all over the place, like uh, it's easy to attribute malice to to the these these mistakes, uh-huh. and maybe they are not caused by malice, right? Like maybe it is, as he says, a blind spot, but that is also not sufficient anymore, right? Yeah. Like we, right? It, it's we've had this conversation often, so. If you are a company that does not have, like Alex is saying, people like black people that work there, then yeah, you're going to have blind spots that affect black people. But the issue that you need to address is having that inclusivity so that you're able to to bring in those thoughts and, and address the issues where they arise. And again, it's like I think it's a great collection. It, it like Alex said at the very beginning, it is like film school in a box, right? So I'm not trying to to say stay away from them, but it's just like we need. Even the things that we love, we need to be we need to hold them accountable to make them better, right? And so I think it's really yeah. important. I I hope that they they continue in, in the future uh, addressing the, the these gaps that they have currently. Um, Alex, you you mentioned something r- briefly right now that I was hoping that you could describe in uh, bigger and better detail. The Criterion Channel. So for people that yeah. that don't know what that is, can yeah. you describe it and maybe talk about your experience with it? Yeah. So the Criterion Collection has had kind of an interesting, like nomadic existence in the in the streaming world, being on like Mubi and then being on the Hulu channel or Hulu, which is really was pretty good at the time. Um, and then it was also on Filmstruck. I believe it was part of like a um, part of the what made the Filmstruck library. Um, and then that collapsed and the, they were kind of left without a streamer. And so they decided to about two, three years ago to um, go their own way and, and mm-hmm. created the Criterion Channel, uh, criter- the Criterion Channel, which is basically, you know, it's on your road. It's like a Netflix. It's on your Roku. It's on your um, most of your streaming devices, uh, except for the PS5. I found out today, which is a little annoying. Um, but uh, 
it basically is a way for them to to expand what they're doing and be more uh, adapt quicker to what they're they're doing with the the physical media. So you'll have uh, new movies come up there every month uh, that won't be on the physical version, won't be in the physical collection, but will get uh, highlighted and will be shown with like double features, like I said, double features and and like full curation. And so it's just it's like a Netflix for people who really love movies and who want to explore new movies and not really rely on as much an algorithm, but more on uh, taste and um, just public opinion. A more curated yeah, experience. Curated is the best. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Not by a robot. And I guess just information out there, depending on where you're listening to us, it may or may not be available in your country. I do think it is currently only available in the United States and Canada. You know, hopefully that is something that they will be expanding in the near future because it, you know, uh, if you're kind of like us that we love movies and you end up having every uh, streaming variation, right? Like if you have your your HBOs and your Netflix and stuff, it is a worthy addition uh, addition to to your yeah. list because you know, like uh, like Alex is describing, it's it's a it, it's a curated experience by people that love movies as much as potentially you do, and, and so I think that's great. Guys, before we wrap up our conversation on the Criterion Collection, I have one kind of uh, fun, loose question. If you could add one movie to the to the Criterion Collection, what would it be, and why? I'll I'll, I'll kick us off. Um, I think one movie that would be that I would love to see there is uh, The Secret and Their Eyes, and I don't mean the U.S. remake, mm. but the 2009 <laughs> Argentine original version. I think this movie, to me, growing up in South America. There, we have some good good movies, and I think we're all very proud of them. But they always feel like they're made in South America, right? Like there's a, there's mm. a certain gap in in quality between like a good South American movie and then like a good movie. Period is what I've often felt. And the 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 first time that I saw The Secret in Their Eyes, it captivated me in a way that was like incredibly, incredibly authentic to a South American experience. And that always that also always threw me off as to why they chose to remake that movie because it, to me it felt very Julia Roberts, very, I think, very eh? South American. And then uh, it's just like a good film, right? And I think it, it is something worth, you know, like as we're saying. It, for people that that want to explore the world of film, I think it is able to contribute a lot in both its technical abilities of the film and the story that it tells. And it's just a good time, right? So I think that would be a very worthy addition to the Criterion Collection that I, w- I would love to see. Um, Alex, why don't you go next? Like, is there a movie that comes to mind that you would just love to add to that list and see it among? Oh, it's for peers? sure. There's a ton, and uh, it was tough. And I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna if, if I cheat and say two. Um, one one is never gonna happen. But potentially, uh, mm-hmm. because of Norbit, Norbit, yeah, Norbit, <laughs> Norbit. Uh, Eddie Murphy, or Eddie Murphy box set. <laughs> no, one would be a, a film mm-hmm. called uh, um, "You Can't Take It With You." It's a Frank Capra movie. It's I think it was his. Well, I can't remember which one is the movies, but it won uh, Best Picture, I believe. Uh, it is uh, early, like late thirties. It's a great movie. It's very um, uh, cheesy if you to American the standards. You know, what I mean, to modern standards. But it's great, and, and it has had a Blu-ray restoration. But it was with third third mm-hmm. uh, generation, I believe, uh, prints. And so, if, having like an original film negative restoration of Blu-ray collection of that movie would be amazing. And then the other one is um, a movie called With Nail and I. It's a British dark comedy mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Richard E. Grant in the late eighties. Uh, I saw it randomly at uh, Edgar Wright used to do well does uh, doubles like. You know, they let them run uh, 
film programming for like a month. It's a double feature with 24 hour party people. Uh, I was the new Beverly. This is where he does that. And uh, I saw that and it's amazing. Uh, it was on the, it's, it's part of the Criterion Collection. It's on DVD, but it's never been released uh, by the Criterion Collection on Blu-ray. It's, there's a subpar uh, version that's been released on Blu-ray, but I've been holding out for that one. So that I check every month in the fair on the 15th of every month, their Instagram, hoping to see that. Willing it to existence. <laughs> Raf, let's end up with you. Is there a movie you can think of that you would love to throw onto this Criterion Collection? It's funny because I was thinking of Spike Jones. For whatever reason, I think Spike Jones's creative journey would be very interesting to see in a Criterion Collection. And the one movie that I'm like, um, uh, I would love to see there was Being John Malkovich. Oh, Lo and behold, I look it up. Being John Malkovich is a Criterion Collection bamboozled. film. Um, I've been bamboozled. <laughs> so, I, I mean, that's pretty pretty cool, but I was going to say, I think uh, Asgard for Hadiza Separation, which is one of my favorite films of all time. Um, uh, I'm surprised none of Farhadi's films have been uh, put into um, the Criterion because I think they are, I, I think even from the political landscape too of Iran and some of their films being very difficult to be distributed, screened outside of you know, their native country and into uh, worldwide you know, um, entertainment industry. I think the, um, his films have been very culturally relevant to the place, but also in humanity. So mm-hmm. I think listen, let's get some Asghar Farhadi film out there and listen, uh, separation. Everybody, what, me, kn- everybody knows that you can't go wrong with a Farhadi movie <laughs> is what I'll say. That's true. That's true. That's a pun in there. <laughs> there you for go. Those who don't know. Uh, one, la- one last thing before we, we go uh, to break, I will say if you want to get a sense of what a uh, chatting with the, the Criterion Collection people, as in collectors, feels like head over to their YouTube channel and look up any video where a filmmaker goes into their closet, <laughs> and, the closet. Yeah. Criterion closet and uh, <laughs> raids, you know, like the, their their closet for films and just describes film in a way that I think would almost be alienating to even people that love movies, right? It's like a high, the highest level of admiration for the art of cinema, I think you will yeah. see in that YouTube channel. So go check it out. Get a sense of it. If it's something that, you know, awakens a passion in you, um, you know, Alex throughout this episode has been offering a lot of advice of how to get good deals uh, on Criterion. Like, obviously, you know, they, the price point may be a little bit inaccessible for everyone. So that's also another thing to consider. Um, I think for a while they were trying to put out a, a cheaper kind of, style, like not not the Criterion collection, but the company had their their, their own other I guess more 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 affordable product. So keep your eyes out there. I think it's it's interesting to see how this world of physical media continues to evolve. Check out the channel too. Yeah, and check out the channel. That's great advice. We're, when we come back, we're going to have Raf recommending a Criterion Collection film, and Me? you will hear our <laughs> hot takes. Uh, but we're going to go to a quick break. Raf. You know, do you know what I'm a big advocate of? Video? Video. <laughs> Established in 2010, Big Pick Co. has grown from a one-director production house to now working with some of the biggest brands globally. Above all else, Big Pick aims to produce work that is engaging, different, interesting, and essentially not boring. Raf, I think those are four words that I would use to describe you. Engaging, different, interesting, not boring? I love it. Yeah, there we go. You, you know what? Big Pick Co., wanted to make content that people were clicking on because of the way that it was presented. And one of the reasons Big Pig was started was because they felt they could create content that wasn't traditional and therefore provided more value to their customers. So if you want videos, what do you want, Raf? 
You want Big Pig Co. Let's go. And we're back. Raph, the moment has arrived for you to impress yes. us, to dazzle us with your vast knowledge of film and tell us Buddy. what movie we should go on uh, CriterionCollection.com or whatever the website is and find it, buy it, <laughs> bring it home and watch it. What, what is this movie that you think we should watch? You guys should see Paul Dano's Amazing Wildlife, mm-hmm. his directorial debut, which is a Criterion <laughs> collection, um, which is amazing. But yeah, um, Paul Dano wrote a film in 2018, um, uh, and it stars Carrie Mulligan and Jake Gyllenhaal about a family in crisis. And I thought this film was a wonderful portrait of um, uh, the family dynamic um, in a small town, and uh, I, w- I absolutely love the film. Yeah. And it's interesting, because when I was looking through the list of the thousand films, that caught my eye, because... I love Paul Dano. Mm-hmm. I just, and I, I, this film was fantastic. I just didn't think I would see it there over maybe Barry <laughs> Jenkins, Yeah, but Hey, good for him. And, um, I think you guys should, should go see it. If you guys haven't already, cause Paul Dano is amazing. And, um, uh, he's not in the film, yeah. uh, because every time I see this guy in film, this guy gets beat up. So I, I'm not a, a Paul Dano supporter. <laughs> I consider, huh? I consider him to be a false prophet and uh, God is a superstition. Mm, God is a superstition. Okay, okay, fine. Uh, I'll take that. So, you know what? Go ahead and watch it. I, I'll give this one a shot. I'll check it out. I didn't even know that he was a be- more than just an actor. I think he did a great job in There Will Be Blood. I'm joking. I am a Paul Dano fan. I was just quoting him for as his uh, as Eli Sunday. Is that his last Eli name? Sunday, Eli Sunday yeah. and There Will Be Blood. It is time, however, now to move past Film Club and move into our hot take territory. It is time for our hot takes. Uh, Raph, why don't you kick us off this week? What is on <laughs> your mind? My mind is all about Zack Snyder half the time. <laughs> but I mean, it's like um, half. We, it's like a third Zack Snyder, a third. <laughs> Brendan Fraser. Uh, yeah, Ben Brendan Fraser <laughs> and a third Bear. Bear. This is like all that coexists <laughs> in your brain. Oh, that's all I think about, man. But no, uh, my boy Zack Snyder, um, I think he, he recently leaked or he mentioned that he wanted to pitch or he has pitched. A, a movie similar to The Wrestler, but it's fronted by a, a, a female with Amy Adams. And the moment I heard this, this is like maybe two weeks after I watched Amy Adams and Woman in the Window, which mm-hmm. is disastrous, started to make me think about Amy Adams's choices in film nowadays. Not saying this movie will is definitely not going to be, be made or anything like that, but I feel like she's on a path of like self-destruction here of her career because she... She has like what six Oscar noms or like uh, five Oscar noms, which she never won for any of them. But she has an amazing track record early on, and now she's going for some duds. And I, I think that um, I, you know, I don't, I don't want it to sound too harsh here. And she has to get a new agent. I just think she maybe needs to wake up and smell the coffee a bit here. Mm-hmm. And say, hey, what am I doing with my career? I'm doing Disenchanted today, and I'm going to do Zack Snyder's wrestling um, uh, film next. Yeah. I don't know. Does, does Amy, Amy Adams, Adams know that Zack Snyder has pitched this, or is she finding out? Man, reading, I don't even know. Reading this news article as well. <laughs> She's reading it in her trailer as she prepares her scene for today. Yeah. <laughs> She's there like, you what go. is this? Raph thinks that Amy Adams needs to fire her agent and make better choices. I never choices. said that. Oh, I just no, think it was Amy Zack Ad- Snyder is, 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 is weird for making this movie with Amy Adams. Uh, <laughs> uh, no Alex, matter how go, you spin it, it's going to be negative. Let's go to you. What's your hot take for this week? Uh, yeah, I think, well, I had something else, but I've already railed, railed against, uh, streaming media and having backing physical. So I'm just going to bring up a topic we already talked about, the parent trap. 
1961. It's a it's a better movie. Oh. I think um, that yeah, I, I guess I wouldn't say that the that would be my hot take is that it's the better movie. I'd say that my hot take is that re maybe look at re, there needs to be a rethinking or re um, appreciation of Disney live action movies from the you know the 60s, mm-hmm. 50s, 60s, 70s. Mm. I think that even the 80s. I think that um, there's something about them that are just really interesting. That I when I think about them, I'm like, oh, I'm excited to watch them and. Uh, we, we have enough remakes. We have enough, uh, 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 yes. you know, the third version of uh, Charlie and Chocolate Factory. We have re, re, <laughs> 13 years <laughs> in the making and uh, Uncharted, uh, stuff like that. We we kind of should look at maybe some of the classic movies that maybe might be the, the best technical movies, but kind of have a good vibe. And I really think that a lot of those like Disney uh, movies that you can just you can only really find on the Disney Movie Club. Uh, on Blu-ray and some of them that's another boutique uh, label for you um, but yeah I think mm-hmm. uh, Hot Take is uh, a look at some of the older stuff and, and uh, appreciating that, that that maybe not everybody thinks about yeah and that's why we have the Criterion yeah. Collection right yeah her, her be fully loaded uh, uh, for, for those of you try, for those of you trying to praise Lindsay Lohan's work go back and see the originals that are better is what Alex is <laughs> I, I, I do I do love down. like the the new one too. It has its it has its uh, uh, pop, charm, it's but charm. I, I really do. I kind of do like that aesthetic of the old world. Yeah, I think your 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 bigger point of like how we kind of uh, ignore some of the Disney live action for for the Disney animated of that time and just pretend that that's all they were doing is very valid. And you know, go back and check out that stuff because there's some gems there. Mm-hmm. Uh, my hot take this week is Kevin Spacey. This man, <laughs> bro. This, this man has just time to mute myself. Got hired <laughs> for a project, and it's like not even about Kevin Spacey. Like I think it's despicable that this man is getting hired and uh, you know starting new projects and stuff. My hot take is like I'm so so fucking tired of hearing people talk about like cancel culture has like run crazy has like run amok all over the world and it's like who who's getting canceled nobody's getting canceled harvey weinstein has like legal battles that's why he's in a prison cell that's not getting canceled canceled. nobody else got fucking canceled like fucking louis ck is back doing doing shows aziz ansari's show just premiered again and i'm not trying to equate what they did right but i'm just saying like who are we pointing to when we say people got canceled Kevin Spacey got replaced by the superior actor, Christopher Plummer, but he's back, he's back on your screen. He's going to be back on your screen. So it's like, I'm so tired of hearing people complain about something that is not reflected in reality. If you're a shitty person and you have consequences for your actions, you're not getting canceled because it is clear from Hollywood and every single time that it's like, if you have enough fucking money and enough fucking power, you can get away with whatever the fuck you want. Nothing matters. So I, you know, like if, if, if I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to advocate for people to go out there and boycott this movie because it doesn't fucking work. But I am trying to say that it's like, if your whole problem with the current reality is that too many people are getting canceled, then just go fucking take a pill and take a nap because it's not reflected in the reality that we currently live in. And that's, that's how I feel about it. This Listen, week. It, it's not hot takes anymore. It's a hot rod take. Yeah, just, just me <laughs> ranting. Last, like three me weeks. ranting like a maniac over something that has made me like unreasonably angry oh, every man. week. But I, it's just like it's it's like the other day Joe Rogan is said, oh, said no. in our competing podcast, like <laughs> like we're the same competing podcast. <laughs> no, but Joe Rogan said on his podcast, or I think it was like in an interview. I don't pay that much attention. But basically, that it's like 
the white man's voice is being silenced. Yeah. This man has a podcast with 11 million subscribers. How is he being silenced? I hear more about the, the silence of the white man than any other person's actual voice, right? Like the whole, it's just ridiculous. Like get some perspective. Like there's no oppressive force trying to like eliminate the people in power before. They're just trying to create a more equitable like society right yeah. like so whatever whatever this is just enough enough about my anger and uh you know kevin spacey and all these people i like, I'm, every week i talk about paddington and then uh, <laughs> I, go, uh I go on a deranged Brandon rant Frazier. of like <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay man <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know what it's either like start canceling people or just shut the fuck up pick one and i'll be fine with it <laughs> Um, guys, that's going to be it for us this week. Don't forget that you can check out our valuable content at layeredbutter.com. If you've not pre-ordered, if you've not purchased the Nolan issue, you can still do that at layeredbutter.com slash store, or you can pre-order a modern horror issue that we are trying to, to get the minimum amount that we need to go to print on modern horror. Come on, so, let's do you know, it. Go support us. Go buy, go buy an issue. And, uh, you can find me at our across all social media platforms. Uh, including Letterboxd, where I'm trying to be more active, as I said last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raph, where can people find you? Find me on Letterboxd. You could uh, fi- follow me at JRaphael. Find me on Instagram, Cordero as well. Cool. And Alex, where can people find uh, you slash your dogs, I've heard, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I love content, but I'm terrible at creating it. So mm-hmm. the best thing I can give you is is pictures of my dog. So he's at, at CuriousGeorgieBest on Instagram. Perfect. <laughs> Listen. I, I, per, as per my, my, my insane rant, the world is a dark place. So if you need pictures of dogs to get through this day, that that is what you should go out and find. So go follow Alex's dog. Be happy. We will catch you next week. Bye. Later. Later. <laughs>